Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 29, Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike, January 4th, 2018. Our Mike, first. January 3rd. Right, January 3rd. <laughs> I know that. 2018. I'll tell you why um, in a minute, but go ahead. I'm Michael Elkins, your co-host with here with my uh, you can hear him Jeff Kamenetsky and I hope everybody Jeff just say something cuz you just sound so much closer to everyone now. See, well I got a new because, voice. Right, right. I got right. a new voice, man, over the past 6 months. No, I'm uh discovering the uh sound of my own voice. And uh, really, it was my wife who said, you better speak up and put your mouth close to the microphone because we can't hear you. So I listened to my wife. and um, Right. Only, was, it only took tw- 28 episodes. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. It's not bad. Man. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm glad I, uh, I finally am being heard. I know I'm being heard, but it's, uh, I'm going to make sure that I uh, keep this. And if I start fading away, just uh, let me know. I won't. Uh, I, won't. I will. So we got a great show for everybody tonight to welcome in 2018. Um, We're going to talk, obviously, college football, some great semifinal games. Then we've got NFL playoffs. We are going to be joined later in the show by former New England Patriot and Philadelphia Eagle Ellis Hobbs. Um, But first, let's first find out, Jeff, how was your holiday? Mike, thanks for asking. It was great. Um, I had my daughters home for most of the week between – you know, I guess around Christmas time to New Year's, my oldest daughter uh, left back from New York, but my youngest one is still here. So it was uh, it was great having uh, the family, a full house back again. So uh, real good, man. How about uh, how about new, you? I know you were away for Christmas, but you would have just been New Year's Eve down here. Um. Well, in the interest of being authentic and open with the audience, um, my holiday sucked. <laughs> Truth be told, it was terrible. It was terrible. My Christmas was not good. Um, I had um, some family BS, I guess you could call it. I guess as every family does. And I had some own my own personal stuff. Um, I did this holiday alone this year. That was different than before, so that's fine. And then my New Year's was uh, supposed to be um in new orleans but i wasn't feeling that oh, either that's right, that's right. <clears throat> excuse me so um i ended up leaving pretty much like 12 hours after i got there i flew home on new year's eve um and um i landed at like eleven forty, got off the plane also doing this by myself because you know everything was, plans were already made with other people and so um yeah i went home and i didn't even have my dog <laughs> all right right so, mac, uh, she, mac was at her was dog at sitter yeah but i can yeah. I, I can well she was not at the kennel she never goes to a oh, kennel. Sure she goes she goes to a dog oh, sitter that she it. loves yeah right. um so you can better you better believe new year's day the first thing i did was go get that dog oh, yeah. no, <laughs> um, i don't blame you man because you needed it and yeah yeah I, I missed my dog and um anyway but these things happen so i'm excited though for 2018 i'm happy to be recording uh, definitely don't want to dwell on um, anything, any bad holiday stuff or the past. So, you know, onward and upward we go. But Good. I tell you that because it's important to be honest with the audience. Yeah, yeah man. And, in storytelling. Uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it's okay. Yeah, it's more right. for humor for our – more humor for the audience than anything else. It's not right. – nothing tragic. And, you know, I li- like I tell everybody, yeah. my problems are fine. I don't live in North Korea, so I'm good. 
That's right, man. Right. It could That's be a lot worse. It could be a lot, could worse. Be a lot worse. So so the reason why I know it's not January 4th right. and, it, and it's January 3rd is because today is my oldest daughter's birthday. Uh, Casey turns 25 today and uh, hard to believe. Um, uh, so I want to give a shout out to my oldest daughter, Casey. I love you and I'm proud of you and miss you. I know you're up in New York and uh, wish you were back here. But um, that's why I know what today is. So uh, you only miss by one day, man. And Make sure is, your face is next is, to the microphone. It is January 3rd. <laughs> there you it go. Is, it is January 3rd. So, um, Well, do we have a this day in sports for January yeah, 3rd? Yeah, we do. So this is what happened. on a Now, Mike, this is true to your heart. So I would say on this day in 1920, an off-the-field event occurred that – Oh, probably, come on. Probably the – listen to me, man. <laughs> probably the biggest – do you know what it is? It was Of course changed, I know what it is. All right. So it changed Major League Baseball drastically for the 20th century. So Mike knows what it is. So for our listeners, on January 3rd, 1920, the Boston Red Sox uh, released, sold their top player to the New York Yankees for $125,000. Um, Harry Frazee was the owner of the Red Sox. The Red Sox were a dominant team in the second decade of uh, the 20th century. And yet he had a better interest. He wanted to be a uh, producer of, uh, of shows. He needed the money. He started unloading his players, and he unloaded his best player, Babe Ruth, on this day in 1920. Uh, we know what happened after that. Ruth had just come off a year where he hit 29 home runs. He obliterated the home run record. He became an outfielder. And going with the Yankees, uh, the next year he had 54, and we know what happened to the Yankees franchise over the next – uh, five decades, six, seven, eight decades. It's still going. And the Red Sox kind of went the other way. So we have Harry Frizee to thank for uh, kind of uh, catapulting the New York Yankees uh, to where they are by trade, by selling Mr. Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees on this day, 1920. Not only changed um, baseball, but you could argue changed the fortunes of two cities in a way. I mean, the Yankees being the Yankees certainly helped to propel New York City in certain ways, um, and the Red Sox did not do much for Boston. Um, but then all that changed um, in 2004, obviously. So um, right. let's get into it, everybody. Yeah, I mean, let's, let, listen, the trade of Babe Ruth, yeah. arguably one of the biggest trades in the history of sports. Um, but let's get into sports now. Um, so we had some great college football, college football semifinals, Sugar Bowl and Rose Bowl. Which one do you want to tackle first? Well, let's give uh, a shout out, could we, to the uh, U, uh, UFC, UFC, UCF. Uh, the UCF. Oh, I don't want to hear upset. this. Come on. UCF's upset of Auburn. You have to at least give props to that team. This team. I, I give. Come on. Did you think. Uh, go you ahead. Think, did you think they go were going to be. I'll let you finish. I did oh, not. Did you th- okay. I don't, I don't think a lot of people did. And you just have to give them props. I'm not saying anything more. I'm not saying they should, be, they should have been in the, in, the, in the championship playoffs. I'm not saying that they should finish in the top five. Uh, I'm just saying that they, it, was a, it, was, it was an upset. Their defense came through. I didn't think they had a defense. And um, I thought Auburn was going to take them. Auburn was a, a, an SEC powerhouse team. And it didn't turn out that way. So I just, just got to give that was a great game. You just got to give them props, and they put a hammer on Auburn. And I give them, I give them all the props in the world. I give them all the props in the world for winning that game. Uh, nobody expected them to win. It's a tremendous upset. Congratulations, UCF. However, 
People are extending this out to say they should have been in the playoff, and that is false. Because if they had to play, the test would be, I should say, if they had to play teams like Auburn in an SEC or a Big Ten or wherever all season, I sincerely doubt they wouldn't be undefeated. They probably would have lost five games. This was a hype game. They were they had all the incentive in the world. Their coach is leaving. He's going to Nebraska, but they're letting him coach in the game. I mean, there were so many things for this team. The real test would be on a Saturday, week four, you know, if they had to travel to the freezing cold of the big house and play Michigan when their coach isn't leaving and it's just a regular season game, and then they had to follow that up with Michigan State or Georgia or Florida or whatever. So I I can't. I don't want to hear this. They should have been in the championship game. No way. But yes, a big win. It helps to legitimize the program in some way. But um, to say that they should have been in the championship or in the playoff, no. I should say, no, 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 they shouldn't have been. And 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 based upon the games that we saw that night, they couldn't. I don't think they would have stuck with any of those four teams. Um, but and you're you're right. They had the major incentive because of their coach and entire staff. Uh, playing their last, uh, coaching their last game, they're all sh- uh, traveling off to Nebraska. So Auburn had everything to lose. UCF was playing with house money, and right. um, it was a great game. But I do agree with you. Whoever's saying that they should have been in the championship, no. If they were in a tougher conference, they would have lost games. I agree with you. But nonetheless, it was an exciting game, and that was the that was the first game I watched. And then, of course, the uh, the semifinals were great, and I thought so. Really, which game you want well, to talk about? Well, I was going to say let's 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 talk about the Sugar Bowl first because it was the worst of the two, and I think it's a pretty yeah. easy game to cover. There's really not a lot to say about this. I mean, they these two teams have played three. Two, this is the third year in a row they split. Right? They were one and one. Um, Nick Saban finally gets his offense rolling. I mean, Clemson didn't even look like they belonged there. Frankly, overall boring game. Truthfully, boring. The game was never was game was never in question. Uh, Alabama looks just like what everybody said they'd look like in the beginning. Um, hopefully this shuts up the Ohio State people. Um, Clemson just either the, I don't know I don't want to say they didn't show up. I hate saying that. I think Alabama just beat them. I just think Alabama showed they were better in every facet of the game. Uh, overall, not much to say other than you know, wow. I I don't know if Georgia can beat Alabama. I, I didn't. I wasn't surprised by this game. I didn't did not see. Anyway, Alabama was going to lose again to Clemson after last year. And uh, Clemson's defense really, really strong, but they don't have Deshaun Watson. I mean, Bryant's a good quarterback, but they can't put up the, the offense that they did last year. And, and Alabama is just as good as last, as last year and maybe better. Uh, they certainly played a hell of a game on all facets of the game, and it wasn't close. And I really was not surprised by that. And we'll talk about the, uh, the championship game on Monday uh, after we talk about the next game. But uh, Alabama looks like... A unbeatable team that night, and um, but I think they're going to have their hands full on Monday. I think so too. I, I well, t- well, we'll get into predictions in a second, but let's talk about the game that really was exciting, and that's Oklahoma that's Georgia Rose Bowl. Oh yeah, great football game. Got to feel a little bit for Baker Mayfield. Um, Would have been interesting to see him in the championship game. Boy, he played yeah. Yeah. lights out. I think he did a lot for his draft stock. Um, and then though. The freshman quarterback for Georgia. I mean, from, wow. Man, I, I wow. Think he, I didn't think he was going to be – I mean, a huge pressure. That guy was poised, right? And he, he played just a, a great a great game. I didn't think – I mean, he just great, great game. I mean, they're a running team, but he really held that team – held that offense together. Um, I was really impressed by him. 
Yeah, I mean, Georgia did an amazing job coming back. Did I? I, I I didn't turn the game off, but I was sort of when I think Georgia was down by fourteen. They right? were down fourteen I think, at I one think, point. I think of fourteen or seventeen, and it was that ridiculous squib kick at the end of the first half by right. Oklahoma, which gave Georgia Georgia had still had to kick a long field goal, right, fifty five yards. But that was a that cut the lead, and then and that that same kicker for Oklahoma is also their punter had a crappy punt in the second half. I mean, their their kicking game really hurt them, but that was a huge mistake at the end of the first half. But you're right, Georgia was down. I think it was seventeen, and um, I really thought, especially in the beginning, Oklahoma was coming out and just blasting. I go, this could be a blowout. Georgia's defense was a different animal in the second half. They shut down Mayfield, and they shut down everything Oklahoma Oklahoma was doing in the first half. And that's what turned it around, Georgia's defense, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, like, I can't say enough about Fromm. And like you said, his poise, huge stage. I mean, Rose Bowl, arguably the biggest of any of the bowl games. And then when you add in semifinal of the playoff, um, and he, didn't, he just didn't blink. He didn't blink. Yeah. Um, really their impressed. Running game. Their running game. That was one of the Unreal. It was, it's one of the best games I have ever seen. I'm trying to think back. That was the most entertaining. There was big plays on offense, defense. It was up and down. The The winner was was undecided. You had no idea who was going to win this game. And then it goes to overtime. Um, Georgia's running game, absolutely dominant. And that's why I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for Alabama because Clemson didn't have the running game. This is a whole other uh, story here. Georgia really has an offense and they're, and they're rolling. That's going to be a hell of a game Monday. But that game, that Rose Bowl... Man, I don't can't remember seeing a better game in many many years. I really can't. So, so what are your thoughts on the national championship? I, you know, I I, I think Georgia's going to take it. Um, as good as Alabama looked, and I just I think Georgia has a good enough defense. Okay, I mean Alabama's offense is more methodical. They're a running team. Hurts is a, is is a good, but but he's a running quarterback as well. I think. Um, Georgia's defense can contain Alabama. I don't think Alabama is scoring a ton of points. But I could see Georgia scoring on Alabama. Alabama's defense is good, but you are going up against two incredible running backs, a a young quarterback that doesn't make many mistakes, um, a good receiving core, and a team that's on a roll. Um, A young quarterback that hasn't faced Nick Saban. No, he hasn't faced Nick Saban, but he also doesn't have to throw the ball 45 times like a Mayfield. If Oklahoma was in there and – you know, Mayfield's throwing the ball a ton. I, Fromm doesn't have to do that. He can rely on a running game. Now, if the running game is shut down by Alabama, if Alabama shuts down Georgia's running game, forcing Georgia to pass more, takes them out of their, their rhythm and their offense and what they do on a uh, game-by-game basis, then, it, then it, it could change. But something tells me Georgia has an, enough defense to keep Alabama in the maybe the low 20s and enough offense – to score a, little, a few more points than uh, than Alabama, so I'm picking Georgia. I'm going to take Alabama for the opposite of all the reasons you just said. I think um, Alabama's defense is going to stuff the run for Georgia. I mean, Alabama's defensive line is really good, and Georgia hasn't played that good of a defense. I, I, I'm knocking. I'm. I'm knocking Georgia down a peg also because although they won the SEC. They played in the SEC East. So let, let me just give you some of their opponents. The Florida Gators, you know, Kentucky, I think they played. So, I mean, what are we really talking about here? Uh, I think they beat LSU. These are not world beaters. The SEC East is really bad, really bad. Um, 
you know, if the SEC East is probably worse than the American Athletic Conference. So they didn't play anybody the caliber of Alabama. And uh, I don't see these running backs being able to run through. I don't, I don't see them being able to run over this Alabama defense. More to the point, uh, I just don't think that um, Georgia's freshman quarterback, who I think is going to have to throw the ball from, is going to be able to deal with Nick Saban's defense. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think I think Alabama will win handily, similar to how they beat Clemson. You know, like a, a twenty-one to three, twenty-eight ten, twenty-four ten, something like that. But I don't think this game is going to be in doubt at any point. I think we're going to get a snooze fest, frankly. Yeah, I think the key is Georgia's defense because if Alabama could put up like, you know, twenty-seven points or something like that, I think they win the game. I think Georgia's got to win by keeping Alabama the low 20s or even below that because, like you said, Alabama's defense is great. Georgia's not going to put up tons of points. But I think if Georgia's defense plays a smart game, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is – that guy's a winner. He's a winner. He's, he, he's, he knows what to do. He's just a, he's a great quarterback. He can beat you with his arm and, and, and his legs. He runs. Um, and they're pre- predominantly a running team. But Hurts has been there before, so that's the advantage. But something tells me that Georgia's going to keep this game close – and uh, I've seen those two running backs. They can break it, even against a great defense. They just got to get a little, a little bit of space, big pressure on the offensive line of Georgia to open up some holes. But uh, if Georgia can run the ball, then they, I think they win the game. All right. Well, there you have it. One of us has Alabama. That's me. And then Jeff's got Georgia. So we're going to see after Monday night um, who's able to pick. It's going to be – I think it'll be um, an exciting – it's always an exciting night for sports. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. So we're not, why don't we take a short break here? We will get Ellis on the line, Ellis Hobbs, and um, we'll talk some NFL football, look at the playoff picture, take a look at the Patriots and how they're stacked up going in um, to the bye week, and um, we'll be right back. This is Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. Okay, everybody, thanks for sticking with us. We're back, and we've reached that part of the show where, where we welcome back former New England Patriot and Philadelphia Eagle, Ellis Hobbs. Ellis, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. How's everybody? We are doing well. How's, how is it up there in Atlanta? Man, uh, cold, unbelievably cold. It was uh, the teens today, believe it oh, or not. Man. Wow. And, um, you know, they said, I think it's supposed to get a little bit colder. So, yeah, we're supposed to end the week um, in the single digits. But, nice. Um, you know, kids are out of school, a little bit nutty right now at the house. That's actually uh, what I was doing prior to getting on to podcast. I was trying to tuck them into bed, but they refused <laughs> to go to sleep. So I just made a deal and said, hey, just get in the bed. I don't care what you do when you get in there. <laughs> That's good. Teach them about teach them bargaining early. That's, yeah, a, class- exactly, man. That's a classic maneuver, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, this day and age, uh, Jeff. <laughs> I know your kids are, are now uh, adults, but, you know, you got the iPads and all that type of oh, stuff. So I was man. like, hey, get in there, you know, pop on your Netflix right. your parent gui- uh, with your parent guidelines on there and just watch a movie right. and they'll doze off. Yeah, yeah, that's a big advantage, man. We didn't have that. We didn't have that back then. I, I was, it was me reading a story or, uh, or that was about it. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed reading the stories. But, yeah, I guess now you can, you can kind of entice them back into their bed by just with their iPads and stuff and at least – that's the first step, right? Once they're there, they're eventually going to fall asleep. So yeah, they just fall asleep. It's like it's, it gets to the point where, you know, kids they don't even realize they're tired, and then the moment that you can get, just get ten seconds of them just pausing, 
that's when the sleepiness <laughs> kicks in. That's right. And then finally they just pass out. But but up until that point, they don't even realize they're tired. My daughter, uh, my youngest daughter at one point, she was going nutty one night. And, like, she just stopped in the middle of what she was doing and just <laughs> fell out in the bed. Like, she, she was that tired. And I was like, man, that's amazing mm-hmm. that you can just keep going until your body literally has to shut you down. <laughs> I'm laughing because it happened to my girls too many, many times. I'm thinking it's going to be a late night. It's like, I don't know how many hours, you know, they are just wound up. I go, I don't know what we're going to do to get them to sleep. And then five minutes later, one of them is just like passed out. And like, they, they, they were tired. They didn't even realize it. And they were determined to stay up at all costs. And then before you know it, they're out, you know, one, just costs. completely it's out. Right, right. It's crazy. But uh, well, yeah, God bless you both. Cause the only thing I have to put to bed is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dog kind of does his own thing. Too. Yeah, so it's easier, good. man. Hey, I, dog, I gotta have. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, but but your dog is probably is probably just listens to you, right? And and just kind of goes to sleep when well, she's supposed to. She does. If you watch, if you actually go to my Instagram story, I just did a little shot of this podcast, and you can see her. She's curled up on the couch, staring at me with sort of that look like, "Are you going to pay attention?" Or like, "What's going on here?" Um, <laughs> which is good. So um, let's get into it. We've got a lot to talk about, um, both with the New England Patriots and the NFL. Um, we're going to start with Week 17 game against the Jets. Not too, too much to talk about here, other than it was the coldest game in regular season history. So I'm inclined to not get into how the offense performed, or the defense for that matter, because I just don't think you get a really good read on that when it's negative four. Um, call me crazy. But what I did want to talk about, um, and LSU brought this up, was how James Harrison looked. Um, had a couple sacks, uh, played a lot more downs than I thought he would. I think he played on 26 possessions, might have been a few more. Um, you watched the game, Ellis. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I liked everything they did with him. Um, like I said last week uh, in the podcast where I really thought they would and they did treat it as a, as a week, um, excuse me, preseason week three um, game where you get in there uh, for him being a dress rehearsal, getting a feel for the uh, the offense of the Jets, but then just him, how does he fit into the schematics of the defense? You know, and a lot of that, him being a veteran, you know, it's going to naturally take over. But, you know, once you're on a new team, you know, beyond him just looking different in the Patriot uniform, um, you want to get a feel of, you know, how do you fit into that? And so I think he did an amazing job um, just being a professional one, but then just a baller, you know, to do that, regardless of, of who you are, you know, James Harrison or not, it's very difficult to come onto a, another team and make plays right out the gate. And when I say make plays, significant plays. So at his role, at his position, having a couple of sacks, that, that's a huge, huge leg up, you know, going into this um, wild card week. And then, of course, they have the bye. But it gives the Patriots and the, and the coaches, which I'm pretty sure they already felt this way anyway, but the utmost confidence that James Harrison can do whatever's required of him and what they uh, what they need of him. Yeah, I was pretty impressed that he played that many snaps. Uh, I was equally impressed that there was a couple plays where he actually dropped back into pass coverage and made a few really nice tackles. In fact, I think on his first play, he caught uh, one of the Jets running backs. It was either the running back or the tight end in the flat. He had dropped back into pass coverage, read the it was a screen, read it perfectly, and then just drilled the guy. Um, and I don't think anyone expected him to be dropping into pass coverage at all. So uh, that was certainly big for the Patriots, who have a lot of problems, or at least used to have a lot of problems on that front line. Um, looked like he did a really good job setting the edge. And you got to think, if he played 26 to 28 snaps without knowing the playbook really well, 
um, how much farther can he go with a week off and then the playoffs coming? Right. Yeah, like I told uh, you last week and what we discussed where the the things the thing that the Patriots do very, very well, and I would say better than any other team in the in the NFL, is that they maximize the talent that was that is within a certain skill set and position of a player to where James Harrison, if you remember uh, when that Super Bowl against the Cardinals, he returned an interception. Was it an interception or a fumble recovery? I can't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, but, I mean, he returned it all the way for a touchdown, and he had to, was pretty athletic in doing that. And then there's numerous of plays over his career where he's doing a lot of amazing athletic things outside of just rushing the quarterback. And so, you know, Bill sees these things. He knows these things. Uh, we used to watch watch this all the time during the scouting report or his scouting report against the uh, against the Steelers, and you would see him time and time again doing athletic plays, moves outside of the traditional, you know, um, three four linebacker uh, role. And so when you're going into to the games already knowing this, why not you know utilize this stuff within the within the games that you know quote unquote don't really count, so that you like I said have some sort of confidence going into your first playoff game, knowing that, okay, if needed, we can actually have him do these types of things. So it's, it's just a, um, you know, a tip of the hat to Harrison and just how athletic he is. Sticking with the Patriots here for a little bit, um, Patriots number one seed in the AFC. So the road to the Super Bowl goes through Gillette. Part of getting that number one seed is they earned a bye week. So the Patriots are off this week. The question I have for you, you've experienced this. Um, certainly experienced it in 07 for sure. And I, I don't remember if you guys had a buy in 06, um, but definitely had it in seven. What, what goes on in the week when you don't know your opponent? I know you, I know you could, you can play one of three possible teams, right? So the Patriots can either play the six, five or four seed, um, which would be either Buffalo, Tennessee or Jacksonville. But from a player perspective, what's it like at Gillette? You, you come in on Wednesday, I know Bill gives them um, the Monday and the Tuesday off, but they're back. You back at it Wednesday. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? Is it self scouting? Are you talking about those potential opponents? How does Bill handle it? You uh, you really get back to the the basis of of what of who you are internally. Um, we really focus in on just laying down or re or relaying down if that's a word um, our foundation as a team and who we are. Um, I would I would compare it to. Um, early parts of training camp where you're really going a lot of internal battles, one-on-ones, um, a lot of skill, uh, skills and drills, uh, individual work, um, just your basics, your basics, your basics. And then as you continually move through that, that, uh, that bye week, um, you're getting a mixture of the possible teams that you may play. And so not necessarily in depth of specifics or details of, of, of an, of, of an offensive scheme, but, Generally, overall, what does each team like to do? And you might have one or two plays, you know, sprinkled within, you know, um, the ones versus the twos or the scout team versus the ones or whatever it is. And and for the most part, as a as a uh, player, you might not even know it. It's more of just kind of mental and physical repetition. Right. And so outside of and comparatively, and I'm sorry, I have to do this to you, Jeff. Uh, to the Giants, you know, we're not in Miami. <laughs> we're not running around. No offense. Boat. No offense taken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, we're not running around on both. At least I didn't. You know, we really take that time. And I would say outside of all that, it's really um, take advantage of trying to heal up as much as possible. Um, not a lot of moving around um, with it being so cold outside right now in, in the Boston area. There's no reason to move around. And, and you're really just kind of 
pulling everything in and focusing in. I actually preferred, you know, as crazy as it is, um, if we weren't dealing with a lot of injuries, and I, I don't believe we were at the time, but it's it's kind of weird to where it's a, it's a, a gift and a curse, a double-edged sword, where as much as you like the bye week, I preferred, or if I had a choice, I would have preferred to continually roll on because if I felt more in a groove coming out of week 17 into the next week or, or so on and so forth. You know, if, if, it's, if it was a situation of where we were coming off a loss or we were on a down skid or whatever it was, you know, that's where you want to, okay, let, let's let's collectively get our, our momentum back or whatever. But I would always prefer um, just to continue play on because it, it's tough. It's tough coming off that bye week and then, you know, getting ramped up again, you know, taking the probably the first quarter or the, or the first quarter and a half to get back going again. So, if it was up to me, I would have always played, you know, coming into that wild card week, you know, outside of injuries, of course, if, if we didn't have any. But it's always an advantage um, to you as a, as a team with the bye when you can have, you know, that extra week off to uh, to heal up any bumps and bruises that um, that you may need from guys uh, so they can uh, feel better and play better. A general question, um, well, sort of Patriot-specific, but also general. Um, is the coach Patriot-specific part, is the coaching staff actually talking to you about any of the potential p- opponents, any one of those three teams? Second part of the question, this is probably more general. Players, are you paying attention to what's happening on Wild Card Weekend, or do you just sort of put that out of your mind and say, look, I'll wake up on Monday morning and I'll know who we're playing? Yeah, it's taboo. It's very taboo to, to say it out loud, to speak of it. Um, you know, we're all we're all smart individuals, you know, grown men at that. And so we know the potential possibilities. But Bill really tried to focus in, which, which you should do, on what we have to do. It doesn't matter what opponent we play, how we play them is, is our concern. And how we're going to play them is how we play individually and as a team, you know, regardless of the opponent. Um, when you talk about, you know, specific teams, I think sometimes we get too bogged down in that kind of like the Tomlin situation a few weeks ago to where to focus in on that as close as we are to it, we're still too far away to talk through it. But uh, individually as players, yeah, we know those possibilities. We talk through it. If, if we were playing such and such, then, you know, we're familiar with this team or we might not have seen this team yet. But once we get together collectively, we're not really discussing those things. If so, it's very vague, but we're still going into it with the mission of, guys, let's really focus in on us and make sure that we're all set on all cylinders so that when we come out together as a team, um, you know, we're hitting – and we're and we're doing we're doing our best job at that moment because in in Bill's mind and as a team as a culture you know it doesn't matter who we're playing it's all about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And then I guess the second part of that, which was, um, are you play are you as the players are you paying attention on Wild Card Weekend or do you sort of put it out of your mind and just wake up you know Sunday morning or Monday depending upon which game it is and say look I'll just find out then or are you watching? Yeah, I mean, me me personally, as a, as a fan of the game, you know, loving it before the NFL and all that stuff, I would just watch the game as a fan and watch it, you know. But it's very difficult to watch it and study the game because it's it's, it's from such a bad angle. Um, I think, uh, Jeff, you've talked about this a couple of times where you've been able, uh, you've been fortunate enough to see, you know, the the, the uh, beyond just the game tape 
uh, or the, sorry, mm-hmm. the TV version, but the game film, and you can see right. a top view and, and see how things are breaking down and how you really can 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 study that and work off of it. But when you're watching the game on TV, I mean, even if you wanted to do that, you know, meaning um, study it or get ready for an opponent, you just can't. You can't because it's a it's a totally different vantage point. And so me, I would always just watch the game. I would enjoy it. Um, you know, sit down, um, relax, kick my feet up and um, just sit back, you know, and just enjoy it as a player. And then I guess uh, as a fan, and then you realize after the game, like, okay, well, that's who we're playing. And then you kind of snap back into your professional athlete mode. But yeah, I I always watch the wild cards. I watched it all the way through, even when we would lose, you know, in the AFC championship or the, uh, the divisional round or whatever it was, um, as I kind of, you know, wipe my tears away with a big towel, I would get back on the horse and uh, just watch the game from a fan's perspective. Right. So, and when you're watching, I guess the the other part of that would be, and, and then we'll move on to the AFC games. Um, are you watching and thinking to yourself, uh, I, I know you're not studying because again, it's, it's a different vantage point. And, you know, I watched that. Um, I think they call it coach 22 film from, from the NFL, which yeah, you can get with the past. Yeah. And, um, and it, it's completely different, but are you watching it and saying to yourself, okay, I'd rather we play this team or I'm hoping, or does it, does that not even matter? You're just chilling and it's going to be what it's going to be. It's going to be what it's going to be. I remember the the one specific, and it's, it's uh, because we're coming up on the anniversary. It's ironic that we're talking about this. Um, I remember oh. watching the Giants and the and the, uh, the Packers. Yeah, we I talked just, about this. We talked hoping, about this. Yeah, and I was hoping to play the Packers. but And when I, when I saw the Giants beat the Packers in Lambeau, and just knowing the history of that whole playoff journey of where they came from and and doing what they were doing, I was like, man, outside of them just being a solid team, like, man, they got a lot. And we, we've said this many of times, the magic word, they got a lot of momentum going right now. And I remember uh, I was sitting in Grill 23. Uh, Jeff, I'm pretty sure you're, you're familiar with Grill 23 in Boston. No? Jeff's a New York guy. I know. Jeff, okay, <laughs> I'm the New, New York, York guy. guy, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, we, what, Del Frisco's, all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, he, let's, let's be clear. What? He's Long Island, not Go New York City. Wait, man. <laughs> it's not oh, real New York. Yeah, you, you can't make that distinction. Only us New Yorkers can make that distinction, man. Hey, yeah. We I'm, talk still, about I'm, I'm a New Yorker to all you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, anyways, I was sitting in Grill 23. And I remember um, in, I was in there and I was just like, man, like I, I just just a weird feeling came over me, you know, with that whole situation. So that's probably the one time I really focused in on the game and, and realizing who we had to play and, and, was, and analyzing that game and studying it, you know, from a um, from a player's point of view. But outside of that, I've always watched the playoff games, whether we were in them or not, as just a, a pure fan. Gotcha. So let's talk about Wild Card Weekend. Um, I'm going to start with. Probably the most surprising, I don't want to say matchup, but most surprising team, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Uh, wow. Number three, yeah, number three, Jacksonville Jaguars playing against uh, the Bills. The, so the curse of 1999 is broken, which breaks my heart because I have a good friend who is a diehard Bills fan, and one of my taunts for him is I just say 1999 to anything oh, he ever said. And I'm not talking about Prince. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Prince. So, um, so both of you guys, um, what do you think about this game? It's in Jacksonville. Uh, Bills, there's no player on that team, I think, that's got any significant playoff experience. Maybe McCoy a little bit, but as a general rule, I don't think, I don't think either team has a lot of playoff experience. 
Um, not what do you guys think? Not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily right. a bad thing. All right. So your thoughts? Is, is it not? Is it not? interesting or it gets just how great the game is to where we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars up until this point and, and they've had a couple of games of, of late that they've lost but how good they've been right coming into this season and surprise and how Bortles has been able to hold this thing up and really he's been the focal point of okay if, if they can keep him afloat just at par then the Jaguars are going to be something right and they have to go in and play a team that barely gets in you know, we've talked about the Jaguars having a, an amazing defense and all these things, and now they're playing the Buffalo Bills. And the way that the Buffalo Bills got in, that was an unbelievable game, uh, Cincinnati versus the Ravens. I mean, how do you script that? You know, they're, they're crazy, crazy game, right? And so it's just a, a testament to how great, you know, Wild Card Weekend. Jeff, I think you mentioned this of how great Wild Card Weekend is and just how, um, you know, anything can happen. And so now that you have these teams in here, you know, um, both young teams, um, oh, yeah. both newbies, I would say, you know, to the playoff atmosphere. And, you know, I, I, I expect a very good game. I expect, actually expect a very tough game, um, you, you know, looking outside in. But prior to the week of the Buffalo Bills getting in, you're saying, okay, Jaguars are going to get through and it, at worst case get to the second round. And now they may potentially pay the, play the Patriots or the, or the Steelers or whomever. But I don't – you don't know. I don't – you know, the Buffalo Bills are in. And like I said, um, when it comes to the playoffs, you know, it's 0-0. Zero, zero, and uh, who knows what can happen. And, you know, regardless if it's home field advantage or not, you know, I, I – I tend to think, unless you're in Gillette, I tend to think that that's not really an advantage. I haven't really seen anybody leverage that as much as the uh, the Patriots have. But, um, you know, I feel as if it, the game's up for grabs. Jeff? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, I love the fact, first of all, that Buffalo's in this game because, um, again, they're a New York team. They haven't been in 18 years. I watched that Cincinnati game, and I just felt good for Buffalo with uh, their fans and uh, a big drought, a long playoff drought. Um, but following up on what Ellis said, um, you know what, Jacksonville has stumbled the last couple of weeks, losing the last two games to the 49ers and the Titans. Um, and he, I think he's right. I mean, uh, having no experience, not necessarily a bad thing. And these are two really surprised teams. If we were looking at surprise teams at the beginning of the year, you know, Mike and I certainly were not picking Buffalo. I don't think in Jacksonville. Um, no, I think you know. I I, I feel for <laughs> Buffalo. I know McCoy got hurt at the end of the game. I hope he's going to be healthy because he's a big key to that team. You know, I I, I think Jacksonville is going to take this game. They have they have a tremendous running game, and Buffalo not very strong at stopping the run. Um, I I look to the Jaguars. Jaguars are going to be home. They've lost two in a row, but I think Jaguars take this game by. By a touchdown, but um, I I just don't know. Buffalo is playing with, I guess you know house money. They they were unexpected to be in this. They are in it, um, and Jacksonville has not looked strong to me the last few weeks, especially offensively. I don't know. Tennessee just made them look pretty inept. Um, so I think it's going to be a good game. I tell you, it, it Tyrod Taylor uh, he impresses me at times, and if he has a good game, it's going to be. And if Bortles has a bad game, I think it's going to be closer. But I think it's Jacksonville's running game. And, of course, Jacksonville's defense, which is really, really strong, and that's going to make the difference uh, in that game. So I, I, I like – I'm pulling for Buffalo. I just really am, but I don't think they could, they could pull it off. I think Jacksonville is going to, uh, going to take this one. Next game on the agenda – well, I'm rooting for Buffalo because I want – then they get to go to New England because they're the sixth seed. Um, 
and I don't think they could beat New England and New England in the playoffs. But having said that, I think Jacksonville will win. Um, let's talk about the next game in the AFC, the 4-5 game, Kansas City, Tennessee. The game's in Kansas City. Tennessee kind of backed into the playoffs, 9-7. and seven. Mariota's had a terrible year. A lot of rumors about um, whether or not um, Malarkey's going to even keep his job. Hard to fire a coach that makes the playoffs. But, boy, big disappointment for Tennessee. Kansas City on the other side of the ball, very, very different than what they looked like um, in the beginning of the season. Defense giving up a lot of yards on the ground. Um, Tennessee with Derrick Henry. Uh, Kansas City injured on defense, though. Um, Alex Smith seems to be Alex Smith again. Um, Ellis, what do you think about this game? Yeah, I, I think for the most part, Kansas City has gotten their footing back, you know, some sort of um, – persona of, of who they were at the at the beginning of the year. You know, they definitely went on a skid, you know, in the middle to the tail end. But, you know, these last couple of games, um, surprisingly, uh, the offense has held up the uh, the defense tremendously. When we went into it with the expectations of, you know, with a lot of the stars that they have on the, um, you know, on defense with Houston, Peters, uh, Johnson, um, you know, Barry, who was at the beginning of the season, but no longer there, but still, you know, never, nonetheless. But um, I, I think that, you know, when you play Kansas City within Kansas City, it's a very difficult place to play. We've talked about this offline and on. And so I, I think with the opponent they're playing in Tennessee, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, Tennessee, you're in, you're in the playoffs. They, they might be the exception to the rule, you know, where you're in the playoffs, but, you know, you don't really belong there. Like you said, they backed their way in. I don't really think there is any momentum there. You know, Mariota, like you said, like you noted, he's not having the best of years. And, um, you know, I, I expect uh, Kansas City to come in there and actually handle them pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Jeff? Yeah, I agree, man. I think it's actually could be uh, an embarrassing game for the Titans. Um, they don't have the offensive explosiveness that Mari- uh, Mariota led them to last year. Uh, DeMarco Murray was uh, was hurt, right? I think uh, I think I think he's going to be healthy. Henry is was played last week. They beat Jacksonville, but they didn't look impressive to me. Kansas City is they looked like they did early in the season when they beat the Patriots and they started. No, the off really I don't know. Good. I wouldn't I go there. I really do. I think they're explosive. They got they got the best running back in the in, in the AFC. They have a a very good passing game. Alex Smith has had a great year. Uh, I think they're explosive again. Maybe they weren't as dominant they were the first five games of the year. But they look to me like they're sometimes running at a different speed. And um, they're playing at home. It's uh, I, I know Ellis can say, I mean, Kansas City is probably a really tough place to play for a visiting team because it's really loud there. Um, that's what I hear. And uh, I think Casey wins it big. And um, I don't think it's going to be that close of a game. Yeah. Michael, I mean, Michael, they're putting up numbers on offense. Yeah, they you are. Know, they're actually they're, – Yeah. I, you know, I don't – to your point, I don't know if it, if it's you know the Gillette versus uh, Kansas City versus Patriots uh, Chiefs that we're talking about, but I do think that they have some sort of, of that identity back. Yeah, I think um, I don't think they're at all the same team that played New England. Andy Reid had an entire offseason to game plan for that for the Patriots that night, and if you remember that game, he threw everything at the Patriots. Um, yeah. A lot of bunch sets. Um, through, he had the flea flicker plays in there. He had Kelsey running end arounds, which they haven't done the rest of the season. 
Um, and also remember, they lost um, Eric Berry in that game to a torn Achilles. They lost him late in the game, though, so the Patriots weren't able to take advantage. That was a that's a huge hole on defense for the Chiefs. I don't think Alex Smith's had an amazing year at all. He didn't even make the. I don't think he's going to make the Pro Bowl. I don't think he even did make the Pro Bowl. Actually, um, he's had a very he had a nice run for five games. He's been relatively relatively mediocre since. Kareem Hunt um, has been contained, and if you remember in that Patriots game, he came out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't even think the Patriots were expecting him to do what he did. So I think, I think Kansas – yeah, it was yeah, a no shocker to everyone. And people forget in that Patriots game, that game was tied at 21 going into the fourth quarter. So yeah. it wasn't a complete demolition. It was a – in one quarter, there was a demolition at the very yeah, they end. Pulled away, yeah, they pulled away. Exactly. Yeah, but, so – I mean, they got weapons, right? I mean, it's not – it's it's Tyreek Hill, Travis uh, Travis Kelsey, great tight end. I mean, they, they, they looked – like they had a lot of weapons when they played the Patriots. I think they're back. I really think they're back to that level. That they have a great running back, a great receiver, a great tight end, and I do. I think. I mean, Alex Smith had a, a solid year, Mike. I, I mean, he might not be a. I don't know. He's, he's not going to be in the Pro Bowl because of Tom no. Brady. But he's he had a well, really good year. He had a really good year. No, well, yeah, Brady and I think two other quarterbacks were picked ahead of him. So yeah, I, don't, he, I don't think he had he, a great year. He threw, I mean, he had an okay year. 67, 4,000 yards, 26 TDs, and five interceptions. I don't know. It's, uh, it was a good year. I think he had certainly his best of his career. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Kansas City's going to run away with this game because I think Tennessee's really bad. Um, and, and that's fine if Kansas City wins, the, wins that game and Jacksonville ends up winning, then Kansas City will go to New England and there'll be a rematch. If Kansas City wins and Buffalo wins, then the Bills will head to New England. I actually have um, more confidence in Buffalo than I do the Chiefs. I I'm I actually agree with you, <laughs> I I because I, only because I think it's hard to beat a team three three times in one season. I just think that's a hard thing to do, and the Patriots have played the Bills twice already. Yeah. Um, let's shift over to the NFC. Um, I, I think the game that everybody's looking at. Well, there's actually two um, two great games. First, we have um, uh, Rams Falcons. Yep. Did I get that right? Yeah, yep. Rams Falcons. That's my God. <laughs> um, Huge game. What do you guys think? Jeff, you go. Man, all right. Well, I mean, the Rams, I love the Rams. Um, I've loved them all season, and I've, I've spoken about uh, Goff and Gurley and their defense and their turnovers and their special teams. But this is out of the four games, this is the one where I think there could be an upset uh, only because – and I just, I'll just chalk it up to – and I don't think there's going to be, but I think there could be Atlanta having the experience from last year. I mean, Atlanta is not the same team as last year. We all know that. But they finished the year uh, pretty strong. The Rams are in kind of uncharted territory. And I, I, I mean, I'm going to wait to hear what Ellis says about that. Again, it may not be a, such a bad thing. But out of the four games, I, I, I mean, if they had to pick an upset, I'm going to pick Atlanta just because uh, the Rams are realizing where they're at and they're facing a team – that is the same team. I don't mean the same team as last year, but the same players. They've been through it. They're they're battle worn, and uh, they might come into L.A. and surprise them. I I, I don't know if it's going to happen. And and the Rams, are, I think, are just a better team. They've played better this year. Uh, the Falcons are a really good team. They haven't played like they should. But um, something tells me that Atlanta is just not going to be a walkover. Uh, it's going to be exciting for the Rams as a, a playoff team, and this is a to me, the biggest surprise in the NFL were the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I don't think anybody was was you know really predicting this, but something tells me Atlanta is going to play them tight, and it may come down to a kicking game. And this is where I think the Rams have a problem because I think their kicker's still out. Zerline, 
who was a dominant kicker for the year. And if you saw that game last weekend, um, they just don't have confidence in this in their new kicker. So that could be a problem. And the kicking game is real important in the playoffs, and it might come down to that where it's going to give the Falcons an advantage. So um, that is the big game. I think that's Saturday night, and it's going to be an exciting one. But uh, I, I just have a feeling that Atlanta's going to going to play them tough and might might pull off the upset. Mm, Ellis, what do you know. think? I don't know. I disagree. I think um, I think because I, I actually get to see you know the Falcons you know play on a week in week out basis here locally. You know they're a totally different team on the road. You know not to say that they can't win, but um, you know to your point, Jeff, they they are a completely different team from last year. You know True. where Julio Jones, uh, Julio Jones made the Pro Bowl, correct? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think he I did. Think yeah, so, I think so, but I don't based on his reputation, right? Yeah, he didn't have a very good year. Right? And so yeah. when you talk, you compare to what he was last year. I don't think anything's happened to him, you know, um, as far as being hurt or anything. But something's not clicking, you know. And and it's it's, it's feel it's, it feels like when you watch their offense, it's way more forced than it is natural right now. Um, I talked about earlier with the with the Patriots. You know, pretty much I feel that they're the only ones that really, really uh, are able to leverage home field advantage where I feel like, you know, when you go up there, it's very, very tough to win. Hell, I don't even feel it. The numbers don't lie. It's very tough yeah, to win. Yeah, I think, I think only the Ravens have beaten them. Uh, with Ravens, Jets, Ravens have beaten them twice and the Jets once. I think that's it Right in so the playoffs. About a span of, you know, 17-some-odd years, you know, and, and, you know, people are coming out there getting slayed. Uh, but the the home field advantage isn't necessarily with the Rams from a stadium perspective or crowd, but there is something to say about just comfortability. You know, your weekend, your week training, uh, your week practices uh, throughout, and you're just in the comfort zone, right? And you know, you're in LA. It's a it's a laid back environment already, and so you have that 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 normal normalcy of you know I'm in my home. We want to do this, and you just go out there and play. They don't have the playoff experience, uh, obviously, with these young guys. But McVay, uh, I, I really believe that he has those guys mentally prepared to where I wouldn't say he's on the same level as a Belichick, but as a youthful Belichick, if there was such a thing at the time, to where he's one of the young guys in the, in the NFL that really, really gets it. I think he's going to have those guys prepared on all levels, regardless of who they play. And so first up is the Falcons. I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park um, because, you know, the Falcons still have those players, whether they're clicking or not, how they were last year. You know, they, they still have, you know, the, the two great running backs, Coleman and um, Freeman, uh, right. 24. I can't remember his Devonta name. Devonta Freeman. Yeah, Freeman. And then, of course, Julio. And then you have um, Sanu uh, and all those right. guys. So, I mean, the player and the talent is still there. And so I, I personally feel like the Rams are still going to win, but at the same time, it's not going to be a walk in the park. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it'll be the Rams. I have a lot, a lot more faith in Sean McVay than I do in Dan Quinn. Uh, I have even less faith in um, Atlanta without um, um, now it's their former off, the head coach of the 49ers. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Without without um, Shanahan uh, running the offense there, I think you've seen a clear drop off since Shanahan left. Um, yes. I don't have a lot of faith in Atlanta at all, and and then they've had a tough season. 
and the Rams have had an amazing season. They're going to have Gurley. They're going to be playing at home. That place is going to be packed. Um, I, I think I actually it's think be a good one. It's going to. Be I good. think the Rams are going to walk all over them. And I really do. We've said this for the last, I think, what four weeks, Jeff. Like Gurley is playing out of his mind right now. Oh man! And you know, and man, like <laughs> listen, a lot of different defenses have come at him, and he's right. just blown right through them. I mean, the last two yeah. weeks, the last few weeks, he didn't play last week, but the last two weeks that he played was unbelievable. I, I, I mean, you guys could be right if Gurley plays like he did in those games, but um, I don't know. I think that's going to be the best game out of the four. It's just certainly going to be really intriguing because of all the uh, uh, all the intriguing stuff that the Rams bring. New coach, young quarterback, yeah. Todd Gurley. We'll see how Goff, Gurley, and McVay and the team handle the playoffs. They've never... None of those people have ever been. The Falcons do have experience, but let's – I mean, if we're talking about the Falcons' playoff experience, I mean, you got to go back to 28-3. to You can't ignore that. Yeah. I mean, the big, on the biggest stage, you know, that that's the biggest choke in NFL history. So I think there's still a hangover there. Last game, and then we'll try to get out of here. Um, Panthers-Saints at New Orleans. Um, New Orleans-Saints, for the first time in a long time, everything I'm reading and, and what you can see look very complete – Breeze has a defense and a running game, which when your defense and your running game are primary over Drew Breeze, that's a dangerous football team. Um, Ellis, you go first. What do you think? I actually feel like they're the sleeper. They're the sleeper in the playoffs. To to your point yeah. of, you know, they they really have a full team. And you go back to their Super Bowl year, they did not, and I said this in previous podcasts, they did not have a running game like this. And they, they solely depended on Drew Brees and him uh, manipulating the offense and getting the ball and distributing it to different types of players in space. But for them to, to collectively now have such a strong offense with a defense that backs them with the, with, the, with the great players in the back end, and surprisingly, it's young players. And I think that's, you know, and, I, and I'll reference um, when I was playing as, as a young player, as a rookie, uh, going into the playoffs to where that was one thing that uh, the Boston um, media continually hit on to where um, a lot of us being so youthful, we're, get, we're, we're really re-energizing the back end and just the defense and hole. And so when you have that, you know, and I talk about this again, momentum going in, and now you have that veteran status mixed in, and, and I've said this before, with that recipe that you need um, to be a, a, a successful football team and then a successful football team in the playoffs, very, very dangerous, you know, where they, they they have all the components there. They have all the components. Not a lot of people are talking about them. You know, right now, the NFC leader of the Eagles, actually, I feel as if um, from what I can see or hear, and maybe because of uh, who's at the helm of that uh, team, Cam Newton and the Panthers have gotten a lot of more notoriety. But the Saints are just kind of quietly looming, you know, in the back end. Why, I don't know, because they've been explosive, you know, throughout the throughout the season once they got rid of Peterson and, I really got this thing rolling, but you just don't hear a lot about those guys. And, and I personally feel like with them playing in New Orleans uh, first game that, um, you know, this isn't going to be the last time we see them in this playoffs, and they, they could make a great run. Jeff? Yeah, I couldn't agree with, with you more, Ellis. I mean, uh, Breeze is no longer – I mean, he he used to be the main guy, and then they had a, just a very mediocre running game for yep. years and, and defense. Between Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, those guys scored 25 touchdowns between the two of them. Um, Kamara returned a kickoff last week in 106 yards. I mean, these guys are are explosive, so they have a completely balanced offense. And then their draft, 
that really bolstered their defense. I mean, when's the last time we spoke of the Saints and defense in the same sentence? Um, this is a team. I think you know. I I don't think Carolina is going to stay on the field with these guys. Um, I saw them play last week against the Falcons. They they just don't they don't have. Uh, I don't think they have all the tools to stay with New Orleans. I, I think offensively, New Orleans is better. Defensively, uh, they're better, and they have more explosive players than Carolina does. So, uh, I 100% agree with uh, with Ellis. This is the this is the team in the NFC, and they might be the best team in the NFC. So, I think they they walk all over Carolina uh, unless Cam plays out of his mind. You know he's he's still running running very well if 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 he uses his legs and and engineers some some long drives. I just don't think that he's got enough other weapons on that team, and the Saints are loaded with weapons. So um, yeah, with, I think with Breeze, I mean yeah. with Breeze, you think about it. He he really does not have to be the leader of this team. Just get the ball out your hands, like in, yeah. in, in years past, which he can do. <laughs> yeah, in, in years past, their Super Bowl run, like people. The team was dependent, dependent upon Breeze. Like he had to make all the plays, but he has so much talent around him now that, and you know, and for him to be of his age now, like I, I have to imagine he feels very, very comfortable and confident in taking that back seat and just managing the game. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting um, Saturday and Sunday. I think one of the best, probably the best. NFL weekend, frankly, is the wild card weekend because yes. you've you've got good teams. Anything can happen. You 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 know sometimes you get a six seed that, that pulls an upset. I think this year could very well be um, the Buffalo Bills. So um, last thing before we get out of here, um, I know Jeff had brought this up to me was talk about your big for the NFL season, your biggest disappointment and your biggest surprise team. Jeff, it was your idea for this topic, so you start. So, yeah, I was just thinking about it the other day. So I, if I had to pick, like, a few of the teams that were the biggest surprises, uh, I mentioned the Rams already. To me, that's the number one surprise. Uh, Los Angeles Rams, I didn't – in fact, I mean, I can just go down. The, the Most of it comes from the NFC. The Rams are the biggest surprise. They put they completely turned it around from last year. To me, I, I guess you got to say the Eagles as well. They were not on my radar as any type of team – uh, to be this good, and if Carson Wentz was was uh, healthy, we'd be talking about them as the favorites for the to get in the Super Bowl. So I like the Rams, the Eagles, the Vikings. I mean, how can you say the Vikings were not a surprise with a, a Case Keenum at, at quarterback? And I just got to throw the Jaguars in there too because uh, those are the teams that really turned it around. The disappointments, number one disappointment is my New York Giants because at the beginning of the season I was looking at a a, a ten win if not more eleven win team. They totally uh, shook up my world and a lot of uh, a lot of people. So that was my biggest disappointment. And uh, the others is really the uh, the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders were a really good team last year. We, I thought they were on the way up. They didn't really lose much. They had a good running back this year, um, and they just kind of fell off the charts. So those are two of my disappointments. Ellis, anyone, yeah. any team, your biggest disappointment? Yeah, biggest disappointments was uh, actually to um, the Raiders, definitely, to where, you know, on paper, I'm seeing Marshawn Lynch coming on that team. I'm like, oh, man, they're they're about to dominate. But they kind of fell back into that same, you know, Raiders mode, you know, late 90s, 2000s. Well, not uh, late 90s, but uh, mid-2000s of just something not clicking, man. Just, just you know, and Del Rio's a good coach, very good coach. Um, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Sent him out to sent him out to to announce his yeah. own firing at a press conference, which is yeah, man, odd. You know, 
Yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean uh, to interrupt you, but no, 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 no. And, you know, that's just the way of the beast, man. And you know, the NFL and, and the business. Once again, you know, when when from from a from a business side, when when they make the decisions, it, it's the right thing to do. But if he was part ways with the Raiders, it would have been selfish. <laughs> so you know, right. it's just weird, just how it works out, man. But you know, just a big disappointment. I actually think um, to top that is the Denver Broncos. Not necessarily oh, the true. players and the team itself. That was mine. Just, just the management, man. Just, you know, how do you come out of that, you know, that Super Bowl victory, you know, not having a better game plan wrapped around, you know, an aging quarterback in Manning and having the next quarterback ready, only to, only to bring back Osweiler, you know. So you right. go through all these roller coasters, you know, you bring him back, and, and the, se- the season was couldn't have got any worse, you know. And to have, you know, that happen, you know, under the helm of Elway, you know, as a top management, I put that more on the, uh, you know, on the up, on the on the upper management rather than the players themselves, because at the end of the day, you got to have players and you got to have talent, and it has to start with the quarterback. I truly believe. Um, my biggest surprise and really just just pleasant um, feeling is the consistency that you're seeing in Minnesota now, to where they've continually uptrended for a couple of years now, and you know, I. I Personally, think they can make a, a, a great run into the playoffs. You know, maybe the Saints have something to say about that from what I said earlier. But you're seeing a level of consistency up there and them really trying to break through that, that glass ceiling of the next level. And, you know, wouldn't it be great for those guys to make the run and, and be in the Super Bowl home field advantage? Um, that's another very difficult place to play. I've never personally played in the, in the new stadium. Uh, but, you know, when, when it was at the old, uh, the Metrodome, um, it's the Metrodome, right? I think it was called the Metrodome. Yeah, yeah the Metrodome. Yeah. That was that was a very tough place to play. The old guy, the Viking looking guy, yep, constantly blowing the horn. <laughs> and so, um, you know, those Minnesota fans up there, um, great, great fans, great crowd. And so that that's the most pleasing thing to me. You know, outside of victories, you know, and, and you know, one year wins of, of a team, just to see the level of consistency over the last four or five years of the Minnesota Vikings is a very pleasant surprise to me. Yeah, um, so I agree with you about the Vikings. I'm going to go with my biggest surprise, though, a little bit more specific, Case Keenum, um, because I think with the Vikings, it's it's really interesting when you look back, and people forget about this. First, they lost their number one round draft pick running back, right, to an ACL. Yeah, then they lost Dalvin Brad, Cook, yeah. right, Dalvin Cook. Then they lost Sam Bradford, like, first week of the season. Yeah. And um, and they had this guy Case Keenum come in, who was, a, a, by the way, another Jeff Fisher quarterback that performed poorly under Fisher. Jared Goff is the other one, and now is doing really well with a better coach. Um, so my biggest surprise is Case Keenum. I don't think that anybody thought Keenum would be doing this. Um, my biggest disappointment um, is that the Patriots had to trade away Jimmy GQ. Um, yeah, and, and while I understand that that had to happen, I'm still disappointed because I think we're seeing what Jimmy can do. Um, so I'm disappointed. I understand it had to happen. I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do. I'm saying it's disappointing that they had to do it. One last note, Jeff, you mentioned Kamara returned to kick 106 yards. Um, I mean, that's fine, but we get to talk to someone who has the NFL record for that. 100 and, ah. 108 yards. So if we're going to talk about kickoff returns over 100, I want to make sure everybody understands that if you go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you can find Ellis Hobbs's, I think, what they have, your cleats? 
and they, the they have the cleats, right? Yeah, the cleats and the gloves. Cleats and the gloves. So they one so one. They so they think. Right. We <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> Let's not say that out loud, though. Yeah. Right. Um, it comes to my doorstep. Right. One hundred and eight yards, September 9th, two thousand seven, against Ooh, the New yeah. York Jets. And that game was significant also because, and this is in the other podcast that we're going to release later, it was also the game that Spygate broke. So a lot of history oh. there. Yeah, a lot of history juicy, on this. Juicy, Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, all right, I think we covered the entirety of the NFL. We covered the playoffs. I'm looking forward to some great football this weekend. Do you guys have anything else? I no. think so, man. It's, no? it's, right. it's been a great NFL season. Uh, a lot of yep. surprises, and, and this is what it's about, right? It's playoffs. Yeah, anything, anything can happen. I, you know, I think I still still think, you know, the favorites are the favorites in Pittsburgh and New England, and but uh, there's a lot of surprises this year, so we really don't know. And this is my favorite weekend of the NFL because this is four it's four games, and um, you have some seeds in there that might have just been a surprise, like Buffalo and and uh, Jacksonville, and it's and it's fun. It's going to be fun, and uh, let's hope the games are close. You know, yeah, absolutely. Man. Looking actually, forward to it. Go ahead. No, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, that's okay. You know, as, we, as, we, as we talk about the wild card and just you know the pleasant surprises, uh, is everybody not glad to see the celebration come back into play? I mean, you're seeing some pretty creative <laughs> stuff out there. That's very <laughs> creative, so, uh, man. And you, know, and you know, the interesting thing about it is, is that now that you actually allow these guys to do this stuff, you're not really seeing something that's just way, way over the top, right? And and it's almost as if like you're telling a little kid when you tell them no. They're going to go out there and do something outlandish and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. When you allow them to be who they are, which is entertaining, you know, this is entertainment at the end of the day, um, you know, you're just seeing the fun, the fun come back to the NFL. Right. And, um, you know, and to, similar to what Jeff just said, you know, this is one of the greatest weeks in the NFL season because anything can happen. And now that everybody's here, you know, the dust has settled and, um, you know, the anticipation can't be better for me. Um, I, I am happy, by the way, to see the celebration back. I'm also happy that the one team in the league that doesn't do it is the New England Patriots because, as Bill said, you got to move on to the next play and you could potentially get a penalty if you celebrate too long. So I'm happy they don't do it. My favorite celebration of the year, though, was the Duck, Duck, Goose one. I thought that was oh, great. Man. Absolutely hysterical. Nice. One last thing before we go. I forgot to bring this up, but it's relevant to the Giants. Just came out the other day. Uh, today is official that they're going to be interviewing Josh McDaniels um, this weekend. He's the number one choice to coach that team. Also, oh, Jeff. Cleared. Yeah, it's been cleared. I, I, yeah, Thoughts? I mean, I, I hope so. I don't know if he's the number one choice because he's, he's listed Schwartz. as the number one choice. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so Gettleman's the GM, and Schwartz was on their list. Uh, he's the Eagles defensive coordinator, I believe. He was he yes, was, he used formerly to the Lions, coached the, the Lions. Lions, right? So I, I wasn't in love with that choice um mcdaniels i would be thrilled if uh but you know there's a lot of coaches that were fired like sun late sunday and monday there's a whole slew of them that are, are out there so the giants are interviewing a bunch but if mcdaniels could be high on their list they'll be high on my list i mean i Mc, would absolutely yeah. love that well, mcdaniels is the reported number one choice um it, it's been no secret over the last few weeks if you've read any of this that belichick has a huge fondness for the mars and the giants organization if you Google this, I will say there have been rumors, and they are very light rumors, but there has been very, very small rumblings that there's a possibility Bill could leave and take over the Giants. I know that's not. Whoa. Yeah, what are I don't you know. Talking about? Yeah, don't get. Yeah, don't get. Well, please. Well, I've read it. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. Well, let me clear. <laughs> let me clarify. I haven't read it from anywhere really reputable. 
Although um, there was there there was some talk. I think ESPN. Someone did a list of like most surprising things that will happen in 2018, and one of them is that Bill goes to the Giants. And the genesis of this is that there is a rift now because he wanted to get rid of Brady and keep Jimmy G. And I, I'm not sure I believe any of that. So. Um, and I'm certainly not the one, just so we all understand in media world, I'm not the one promulgating that rumor. You can Google it and find it. Uh, you have to dig, but it's there. I personally don't believe there's a chance in hell that that happens. Um, Is he bringing his and I also, with him? <laughs> right. I also, I, also yeah, don't be- I also don't believe that Bill actually ever got to the point where he wanted to trade Tom. That's a whole separate discussion. So yeah. I'm actually hoping the Giants lock down McDaniels quickly. <laughs> or lock down somebody. There is a team in New York that is willing to take Tom at age 47. Yes, there is. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, there is, man. And, and hey, with the way Tom's going, he could be playing at 47. I mean, I think he's going to win the MVP at 40, which is crazy, by the way. I, I yeah. don't know what's going to happen to the Giants. I really I don't know what's going to happen to Eli. I don't know who they're going to draft uh, with the second pick. I really don't. But they need to get a coach that's going to bring the fans alive again. It's got to be a a sexy pick, but it's got to be a smart pick. So I wasn't even thinking Belichick. And I think, man, as a lawyer, Mike, I need evidence. So I I don't have any evidence. It's pure. There's just pure speculation and rumor. And I'm, I'm, Listen to the tone of Jeff's voice. It sounds completely different. <laughs> right. You know. Well, you that, better man. you guys better hope that you both better hope that doesn't happen because if it does, you're going to be comforting my mother at my funeral. So, oh, just so we all know. Slit the wrist. Beyond the slit wrist. I'm going to turn it to you, Mike. I'm going to I'm going to be the I'm going to be the Belichick guy. I'm I'm going to have all the sound bites just like I'm going to I'm going to oh. turn it to you basically, man. Oh, I'll be so upset. I'm really I frankly, I, if Tom left, I probably would be okay with that as long as Bill was still there. I'd say, yeah, we have Bill. Bill right. There, right? As yeah. long as Bill's there, man. Win with Brian Hoyer. Um, all right, everybody. We'll, let's get everyone out of here. Look, everyone, have a great um, week. Make sure you're all watching Saturday and Sunday because we're going to come back the following week with some analysis on all these games. Hopefully the Giants have hired a coach and I don't have to worry anymore. Um, <laughs> have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good day.